0: Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle have won, but it will never score. Big Lab, he's scored.
1: G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. We're going to go through our rapid review of the two prelim finals games. We have already dropped our live reactions to both those games. We'll go through our, our reaction after a couple of days now uh, to those both to both of those victories. But if you would like to have a listen to our live reaction guys, it is a couple of podcasts ago. This morning we also took a little deep dive into the fullbacks. Two very different storylines. A tale of two fullbacks there. We also spoke about Stephen Crichton. He's on the verge of something pretty special in this grand final. So plenty of content already out today and then we'll have all of our bloke-in-a-bar review content and a sneaky little grand final preview as well coming your way. Very, very exciting. It's going to be a huge week here on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. But let's get stuck into our rapid review. Only two games, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about both of them. Uh, we obviously did do the live reaction before and it's only been, you know, 48 hours or, or whatnot. And we watched those games pretty intently. So I'm uh, not sure how much is going to change to be completely honest with you guys. But uh, on reflection, the Penrith Pan, Panthers, 38 points to four over the Melbourne Storm. Um, Look, I personally, I thought the Penrith Panthers were the better team here just by such a distance, sort of as the score, um, as the score sort of illuminates there. uh, I thought that early the Storm managed to hang in the game. Obviously, Brian Toto, he scored the first try very early and things were going the Panthers' way uh, very quickly. And I sort of thought, oh, God, this could get... Ugly, very quickly. Uh, Justin O'Leary managed to cash back in and score a big try there. Uh, obviously, a guy that has really struggled uh, over the last you know couple of months to get into first grade and whatnot. They got to finals and they recalled him, and that was fantastic to see. He's been a stalwart there for a long time, but uh, between him and Munster in this game, my God, those two in defence, they just look like they'd never met each other. It was bizarre. And um, I was talking to some people out at Penrith the other day that. Uh, You know, Ivan at one point sent a message down during the first half to the trainer to say to Nath, go at those two. Um, And apparently before the trainer got to Nath, he turned and said, yeah, I know. Munster O'Lam. So pretty wild uh, how, how quickly Nathan's picking up all these sorts of shit. But Justin O'Lam, he beat Isaac Tungo one-on-one. Um, this is something I do want to touch on. Uh, Isaac Tungo, he's a guy that I have spoken about a lot. He was obviously a huge could-be-anything guy coming into last season. Obviously went on to win the premiership. I think he's still one of the most underrated centers in the competition. I think he got a Daliam Center nomination. We'll go through all that this week as well. Uh, but you saw in this game, he missed that first tackle. Very, very poor defense. Very unlike the Penrith Panthers. And Isaac Tungo, he's got Got this in him, yeah? He has had a few of these throughout the year. Normally, he's a fantastic defensive centre, but he has got a, a howler every year, every now and then where he gets beat one-on-one. Uh, but what I always find is when Isaac Tungo gets beaten one-on-one, when he gets embarrassed like that, you can absolutely guarantee he's going to have a good game for the rest of the night. He always bounces back. I remember watching him come up against Newcastle uh, when he was playing on the left-hand side. I think it was earlier this year or last year. And Dane Gagai absolutely gave him a fucking bath early. And then Isaac Tungo bounced back. I think he scored two. He set up another two. He was everywhere. This is uh, this is why I love this guy. He's just got this fight in him. And, you know, he is young. He's inexperienced. He's going to get beat one-on-one occasionally. We've, we've seen it over the last two years. But, my God, most of the time he comes out on top. Keep in mind, um, he's playing... You know, on the other side of the park. Now he's playing right center, so he could be a guy that you know, if he, if they win next week, he could win two premierships in two years—one at left center, one at right center—just showing why I was so high on this kid. He's an absolute freak. And personally, I think he's much better on the left. I think that next year, once Stephen Crichton is gone, I would assume he does return to left center. I think that would make the most sense. But I'm not—I'm—and I'm not exactly sure why Ivan Cleary's made this move. Uh, but Jesus, it's hard to push back on—he is just playing some fantastic footy. A lot of people bagged him during the year for not passing the football. Ball and whatnot, um, but fuck. I mean, the last few weeks when he's been playing right center, he's been tremendous out there. Brian Toto scoring tries left, right, and center. Uh, so yeah, they managed to get themselves back into this game. Um, there was a Nelson osova Solomona at one point. He went after um, he went after Nathan Cleary pretty heavily. Um, and look, I you know it was a push. I, I really don't think it was a simbin. It didn't end up being simbin, which I thought was fair. It's it's finals footy. Your halves are going to get. Get pressured, uh, yeah. If he would have put a shoulder into him, probably a different story. But just pushing him over, I'm, I'm more than happy to see it. I thought it was interesting um, that in the 18th minute Nass went off Harry Grant came on I would have thought that the Melbourne Storm would have kept those two on the field at the same time that didn't make a stack of sense to me maybe Craig Bellamy could sense that Nass was starting to get a little bit out of control um, obviously the Panthers boys they were coming in at him, and I actually think it was one of those moments uh, when you have a look back at the Newcastle Knights and the Canberra Raiders game a few weeks ago Canberra Raiders were well and truly on top and then the biting incident happened I think it just sort of lifted the Newcastle Knights and it took them to another level in this game I kind of thought that it, it was reasonably even. I thought Penrith were on top, but after that moment, um, Penrith were just running downhill after that. They just all got up. It kind of reminded me of when Richard Villasanti put that shot on Brad Fittler in the 2002 Grand Final. Just It just lifted the whole team and just, I don't know, it just gave them an extra little bit of meaning to what they were doing. You could tell the Penrith Panthers forward pack, they took it personally. They said, don't you touch our fucking halfback. We're going to go at you now. And Fish and Liotta, you know, I've spoken about it a lot this week, but they are just tremendous. They, they seriously are heading into, like, Webke, seven receiver sort of areas for dominance. If they win, you know, a third premiership row with them as the main front rowers, you know, like obviously James Tarmel left. Uh, yeah, Spencer Lienew's now leaving. It, it's been incredibly impressive what they've managed to do. They've lost, you know, they had Scotty Sorensen as, as a middle forward. He had to go out to replace Villiam and kick out Liam Martin at different points has been a middle forward. You know, uh, Lindsay Smith has come into the side. Matty Eisenhuth in and out of the side. It's always just been these two um, that, that have led from the front. I thought they were tremendous again. I cannot wait cannot fucking wait to watch them go toe-to-toe with this Brisbane Packers. It really is the new age front rowers at Brisbane versus the old school Penrith guys who have been there, done it and understand that big stage. It's going to be sensational. I cannot wait. Uh, Marion Seve had a pretty tough night. A uh, number of turnovers and poor errors. It really went toe-to-toe with the Penrith Panthers there. Uh, we saw last time they played, the, the, the Penrith boys went after him pretty heavily. Uh, and then Brian To oh, he scored the second try for the Panthers. Uh, so some brilliant ball playing went Fish, Cleary, Dill, Isaac Tungo, Brian Toto, just a perfect play this team, just like I know that you know the Broncos they've probably got the higher the higher ceiling and it's flasher and it's more entertaining and it's at a million miles an hour but this Panther side they are just clockwork and it's going to be so interesting to see uh, how the two styles sort of stack up against each other as we said that storm left edge they are just in all sorts I thought after that Brian Toto try um, the set that Penrith had after that was was just about perfect. It was fucking incredible. I think they went about 60 metres. Fish, Liotta, the back three got involved. I think they turned Liam Martin or Scotty Sorensen under at one point. Kicked deep. It was just... Perfect. Uh, and then came for me, you know, the moment in the game that really, really put the the nail in the coffin. And, you know, it was pretty early, but I just felt like, Jesus, after that, they're just not going to get back into this. Harry Grant was about five metres out, puts in a perfect kick. The ball sits up a metre short of the dead ball line. It's a line dropout every day of the week. Perfect kick. You couldn't ask for anything more out of Harry Grant in that moment. And... As we said, Isaac Tungo, when he has a poor defensive read early, always bounces back with a big game. Picked it up in the goals. Went woosh go, woosh go, woosh go. Managed to get it at the goals. Brian Toto takes another 20-meter scoot off his line, being a fucking maniac, as he does. Then Nathan Cleary sees players on the back foot off the back of Brian Toto's run, scoots from dummy half, and earns a penalty. They kick for touch, and then Taruva scores in the corner. It was just... Perfect from the Penrith Panthers, and it was—it's just, just such a classic example of okay, Harry Grant did everything he possibly could. He did everything fucking right. Doesn't matter. We can still turn this into points. We can somehow turn a definite line drop out, a perfect kick into a try within two minutes. And I think it would have left the Penrith, the Melbourne Storm, standing behind their their goalpost, looking at each other, going, "What the fuck just happened? How on earth?" Did they do it do that to us? We had a perfect set at the other end. We, we had a line dropout all forced. And somehow not only do they get out, not only do they get the twenty-metre scoop out of dummy half, then the tackle, then the penalty on the thirty-meter line, and then they score in the corner. They're just incredible how they managed to do this, the Penrith Panthers. I loved on that play as well how you actually saw Jerome Lawyer. He jumped into first receiver and Nathan Cleary jumped out the back of him, going down the left-hand side corridor. I think that quite often in rugby league we see, you know, and and there is to some extent you need to have a lot of structure with your halves, but sometimes I do think we overstructure these guys and I love the way uh, that over the last year or so, especially Jerome and Nathan Cleary, they've played both sides of the ruck. They've really started... Um, to open up the field a lot. And uh, I thought that that was a very, very nice play. Obviously, Nathan Cleary uh, having a fucking blinder in this game, killing it, very, very impressive. Did a number of good things. His kicking game... In the first half, wasn't perfect, uh, but just his ball playing and just his awareness and how he just moved the ball, the team around the park, he was just everywhere Nate Cleary. Uh, very, very impressive performance. It's around this time as well that he took a huge intercept on Harry Grant, uh, and it's crazy, you know, you look at Harry Grant, best hooker in rugby league in my opinion, uh, put that grubber in Janine Goals, Isaac Tungo gets out, Penrith get a roll after that. Only a few minutes later, he makes a fantastic line break. He goes through, he's looking to link up with Cam Munster, and Nathan Cleary takes an intercept above his head, sort of reverse grabs it. just And you just saw Harry Grant just throw his hands in there and just go, what the fuck is happening here? I just put in a perfect kick that scored into a tr- that turned into a try for Penrith 40 seconds later from their dead ball line. I then make a line break and I go to draw a pass to Cam Munster and somehow Nathan Cleary takes it in an intercept like that. Why was he even there? It's just, it, it, it is incredible um, what this Panther side is capable of doing. And, you know, he we went into the second half and, um, you know, to be honest with you, not a stack change. The Penrith Panthers never really stood a chance for me. Uh, sorry, the, the Melbourne Storm never really stood a chance for me. The Penrith Panthers were just... All over them uh, in the entire second half, and you know to you know they conceded a try just a one on one miss tackle in the tenth minute. The Penrith Panthers. Outside of that, just nothing came of it. Nathan Cleary scored a try in the fifty third minute. A uh, big play by obviously Jerome Lowe got the play down, got the ball down the left hand side. uh Dami span. He's so dangerous when he does this. Managed to get the ball back to Liam Martin, and Liam Martin just went. Full fucking origin mode as he does. Cam Munster coming on his inside. Whoosh, go. Just put him on the ground, got rid of him, uh, and found Nathan Cleary on the inside. So a big, big moment there for Liam Martin. Uh, We spoke about him a lot during the week, and if you still can't see it, uh, I simply can't fucking help you. Uh, uh, Dylan Edwards scored a try just after that going down that left-hand side. Stephen Crichton, uh, I I was going to say he was quiet in this game, but he just didn't have to do that much. Uh, They were sort of all over them. The left-edge defense for the Melbourne Storm was in absolute tatters, so it made complete sense for the Penrith Panthers to keep peppering that side. They kept on getting points down there. Uh, But Stephen Crichton had one opportunity in this game to do something, and, fuck, didn't he ice it? Got early ball, took Jerome Hughes on, got his left-hand free, put Taruva down that sideline, who found Dill Edwards back on the inside to score. And then, of course, Brian Toto crashed over. Over, uh for his third try of, of the game there. Uh, I, I actually completely slipped on the Brian I scored a hat trick in this game. It was just just everything just happened. It was just all clockwork. But uh yeah that, that try there brilliant hands by Isaac Tungo once again the pass that he threw there was divine. Obviously a guy that we've all a lot of people have given shit to for not passing the ball enough. He then moves to right centre when he's always been a left hand side player and comes up with something like that in a prelim final. Uh, very, very impressive. Um, look I've spoken about a lot of guys that had highlights in this game and whatnot a couple of guys that probably didn't get um, you know as much attention as they should but I thought their performances were great. Scotty Sorensen was fantastic. Uh, great run meters all night. Isaiah Yo was fucking unreal. He made a couple of very, very big decisive runs. Uh, but for me, I thought Mitch Kenny was fantastic. He played the 80 minutes in this one. Uh, his service was unreal. There was just, you know, I, I remember watching him last year and just thinking he is just too slow at a dummy half. He is shitting me to no end. Now I don't even think about it. And you know, as I've said all season I was the number one guy saying Sonny Luke's going to be incredibly important to this side. They can't win it with just Mitch Kenny egg all over my fucking face. They can win it with Mitch Kenny. And I think they will. And I'll tell you what, it just provides the Penrith Panthers with another opportunity because they've got Jerome Lewis, because they've got Nathan career. They've got these fantastic ball players. They've got strike everywhere else. They don't have to spend much money at hooker. They can have a Toiler like Mitch Kenny there. Who's just going to deliver good pill and be fucking amazing in defense, and it puts them in a really, really good spot. Uh, For the Melbourne Storm, guys... I don't know, this is sort of what we thought would happen at the start of the year, that they just wouldn't have enough to go with these big sides. Uh, Would I have thought at the start of the season they'd get beat by 34 points in a prelim final? Probably not. Uh, And personally, I thought the Panthers could have scored more points in this one. Uh, Yeah, I'm not quite sure where the Melbourne Storm go from here. I I was starting to have the thought the other day, you know, Jerome Hughes, Cam Munster, Harry Grant, three fantastic individuals, three with these great running games. And I think when you're playing... You know, those bottom 12, 13 sides, you can just cause havoc around them with your skill set and whatnot. But I I don't know. I just wonder, Is like, do they maybe need to start looking in a slightly different direction with their spine and maybe get an experienced head in there? I, I don't know. I'm sort of just talking off the day. I know Jerome here is a very, you know, experienced player, but more so... Just a guy to dictate terms like finding Adam Rands or a halfback that isn't just a running threat. Uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about the other day. that They obviously have and you know, for a lot of the season, that's a huge positive. As I said, you can absolutely cause havoc with a lot of the bottom sides. But I'm just wondering, is is that what they're missing? Is it strikeout wide? I'm uh, I'm not quite sure. But it will be very interesting to see how the Melbourne Storm regroup here and how they go again. I don't think there's any, like, huge major signings going in there, so it will be a very similar squad. They'll obviously get Ryan Pappenhausen back, which will be a huge plus. There is no doubt about that. But, yeah, I just think, you know, <sighs> defensively as well, the Melbourne Storm, that's just not the Melbourne Storm. That's not the Melbourne Storm that I have grown up knowing my entire life. Like, they were just in all fucking sorts I've very rarely have I seen an edge struggle like that for Melbourne. They were just all over the place. And it's not like it was young, the inexperienced guys. It's just an Olam and Cam Munster. They've played together for years. They've they've won a premiership together, haven't they? Like, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't quite know what to make of where Melbourne is at at the moment. But I'm very keen to see what Craig Bellamy does. And it's crazy that the Melbourne Storm can be so much better than, you know, 12 other teams in this competition, but then be so far off the Penrith Panthers, and what we saw of the Brisbane Broncos the other day. I think that, you know, what we spoke about all year, about it being a two-horse race than everyone else, I thought that was very, very evident this weekend. And the Warriors and the Storm, they probably are better than the vast majority of sides, but my God, they are a distance away from these top two teams still, so pretty wild. Let's move to that second game, the New Zealand Warriors obviously getting beat by the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, As we said in the live reaction, guys, uh, there's no hiding away from it. There were some terrible refereeing calls, yeah? There was some uh, very unfortunate things that went against the New Zealand Warriors, that forward pass was an absolute shocker. Uh, there is no denying that whatsoever. Uh, I think it's one of the biggest howlers we've seen, yeah, and, yeah, there is no hiding away from that. It was an awful, awful, awful call, and I have no idea how it played out. Do I think it cost the Warriors the game? I I, I really don't, to be honest with you, um, and I know that, you know, I, I spoke about it in the live reaction, so I don't need to talk about it too much, but I know a lot of people telling me that the momentum completely swung in that game. Sure. I Look, I'll be honest with you. I didn't really think the Warriors were in that game. Uh, Scoreline-wise, yes, sure. You were down by 12 points. Fine. Uh, but, I mean, you know, the... Um You know where the forward pass occurred was about to be one of Reese one of the eleven line breaks uh, that they had that game. Like they were getting on the front foot, they were dominating. I I I don't really buy the argument. To be honest with you, I thought the better team won by far and away. If that pass was called forward, um, you know it would it have been forty two to twelve? Potentially not. Maybe it would have been a little bit closer. But I am very very confident in saying the Brisbane Broncos would have won that game. I said it about five weeks ago. Now I didn't think the Warriors were on the level of the Melbourne Storm and the Brisbane Broncos. Um, And those teams have been building for a couple of years now. The Warriors have just started to turn things around. So, you know, they probably shouldn't be on that level realistically. Uh, Can they be next year? 100%, I think they can. I think it is possible for them to do that. They're heading in the right direction. Uh, But, yeah, I I think the argument that the referees decided this game, I I personally can't agree with it. Um, If you are a team that shows up to a prelim final uh, and you concede 11 line breaks, I'll give you the hot tip. Referees didn't decide that game for you. Concede 11 line breaks, allowed 25 offloads, missed 48 tackles. Uh, I think there was only two players in the Warriors' entire team that didn't miss a tackle. So for me, I, I just can't run with that argument. I just, I just can't see it, unfortunately. A fantastic season for the New Zealand Warriors, but um, at the end of the day, their season is over because they weren't able to beat top four teams. I don't think they did the entire year. Um, from memory, they played the Broncos during the season, during Origin when Brisbane were missing a lot of guys in New Zealand and still weren't able to beat them then. So uh, the New Zealand Warriors have had a fantastic season. They established themselves as a top four team and locked themselves in as a top four team from a few weeks out. But being a top four team is one fantastic achievement. In this competition, being a top two team is an unbelievable fucking achievement, and they have still got a little bit further to go to achieve that. So, yeah, look, no, no doubt refereeing decisions, some of them were awful in this game. There is no denying that whatsoever, uh, but I personally do not believe that it was the sole outcome. Uh, that it's so solely decided the outcome of this game, in my opinion. Uh, look, the Brisbane Broncos—they are a champion side. They are fucking unreal. I love just how many shots they take in attack. They're one of my favourite teams to watch ever, to be honest with you. With Pat Carrigan, Payne Haas, Flegler, these guys going through the middle, then you got Adam Reynolds just dictating terms, and then you got these centres, Herbie and Katoni. They're just a fucking handful, and then. The absolute prince out the back, Reese Walsh. Watching what he does is just unbelievable. And, you know, I've said it a lot throughout the years, and I said it in my live review the other day, so I probably don't have to go too deep into it. But what I've always loved about Reese Walsh is that he can make nine mistakes, and he goes, give me the fucking ball. I want to make the 10th. Because I want to make the 10th in trying to win this game of football. It's that mindset that is going to take him so far. And, yes, is there a chance that his errors could, you know, cost him against the Pendleton Panthers? Fucking 100% there is. But he is still a young footballer learning his trade and whatnot, yeah? And I'll tell you what, in order to beat the Penrith Panthers, you are going to have to complete high and you're going to have to take shots. You are not going to beat them by trying to get into the grind and just trying to out Penrith Penrith in the grand final. It is not going to happen. You are going to have to take risks. You are going to have to take shots. And Reese Walsh, Unlike a lot of people in life, he is willing to get on the biggest stage and go, you know what, I'm going to try and win this game. I'm going to risk it all. I'm going to go all in to try and win this. And if it doesn't work out, he's happy to wear it. And, you know, everyone will bag him. Everyone will call him shit and all this sort of absolute crap cowardly sort of shit from people who don't appreciate the person in the arena that says the game's on the line. I want the ball in my hands. And that's what I love about Reese Walsh. Win, lose, draw next Sunday. You know, he's going to do everything he possibly can to try and win this game. If it works out for him, he will be an absolute champion and people will applaud him. If it doesn't, people will say, see, he makes too many errors. That's why he's shit. He makes errors because he's always trying to win the game of football and if he and if he puts it all together in the game next Sunday the Brisbane Broncos are a red hot chance to somehow beat this juggernaut that is the Penrith Panthers similar to what he did in the origin round remember all the chat leading up to it too many errors makes too many mistakes won't be able to handle it give you the hot tip he fucking handled it perfectly and he walked off that field in game two laughing at New South Wales after he's absolutely torched them and they decided to punch him in the last minute he is a champion player Rhys Walsh he is, he is just so fucking special in what he does. And it's going to really annoy me when he makes errors or whatever this weekend, and then people want to jump down his throat because they've been waiting for an opportunity to kick this guy. But I tell you what, I really hope that all you guru listeners are able to just appreciate the mindset of this guy and just how special it is. You don't have to like him. I'm not telling you to like him, be his best mate, but just respect the mindset that this guy has for the age he's at. It really is incredible. And I thought he was great in this game. I think it was six line break assists. Um, yeah, he had the Ford pass, sure. Sh- should have been five. Shout out to anyone that made a meme of putting his head on an NFL player. Might be the lamest thing I have ever seen, by the way. miss me with that fucking dribble. It's genuinely like the knock knock joke of the rugby league world. It's uh, <laughs> wild how many I saw. Uh, anywho, um, look, Brisbane, they were simply too good in this game. Reese Walsh was electric. The middle forwards were fantastic. Uh, you know, I think you've also got to remember that, you know, Pat Carrigan played his first stint. He didn't come back on. He played 50 minutes. They didn't bother putting him back on the field. Uh, they took Adam Reynolds off in the 65th minute. Uh, so with 15 minutes left in this game, I mean, Brisbane were very, very dominant in this game. They were always on top in this one, in my opinion. The scoreboard, it may have been close at points, uh, but the Brisbane Broncos were always pretty dominant in this game for me, and, and defensively the Warriors, they just weren't up to it. They they just simply were not up to it. You have a look at the stats of Reese Walsh, which, you know, they would have come into. you know, they, they've had Reese Walsh in their camp. They know what he's like. They know how he plays. They knew that he was the guy to try and stop, you know. They knew that in order to beat this side, you're going to have to beat Reese Walsh. Um, he came up with, I'm just going to read his stats here, 105 150- 46 meters, which isn't insane, but he had one line break, six line breakers, six, three try assists, and four tackle breaks. Uh, he was everywhere, Reese Walsh. He was incredible. And if you can't stop him, uh, you have next to no chance of stopping the Brisbane Broncos, and they weren't able to. I thought Herbie Farmworth, that guy is such a good player, it's not even funny. Nine tackles, only missed one, had 21 touches of the football. Uh, he had two offloads. He had seven tackle breaks. He made three line breaks. He had 81 post-contact metres and off his 21 runs of the football he ran for 232 metres. The next best in their back five was Reese Walsh who lit it up and felt like he was running all day. He ran for 146 run metres. So very, very impressive. Herbie Farmworth was absolutely everywhere. Uh, Charns and Dallin both ran for 207 metres, returning a lot of footy. Uh, you know, you got to remember as well, Herbie's doing this from centre. He's not He's not getting easy kick return metres. He's doing this from centre. He is an absolute maniac. He's going to be such a good signing for the Dolphins. A fantastic get there. Uh, Selwyn Cobo he obviously came out with a really poor play at the start. Off the back of that, had three line breaks. Um, did a number of very good things. I thought there was a play at the start where they ended up scoring, I think it was through Billy Walters, uh, where he went down the short side. He could have kicked, he could have passed, he could have lost his head, uh, and he just took it to ground. A very, very smart play by Selwyn, a very experienced play there. I thought Jesse Arthurs was pretty good as well. Obviously, a guy that's been selected over an experienced Corey Oates. I thought he held his own. He doesn't get too much good ball because of Herbie. You know, he's, he's obviously such a ball-running dominant player. But I thought Jesse Arthurs uh, didn't miss too many of his assignments in this game. Adam Reynolds was tremendous. His cricket kicking game was sensational, as it always is. You know what you're going to get out of Adam Reynolds uh, in these games. And look, early, it was sort of tit-for-tat, try-for-try. I thought the DWZ try the first one was really nice ball playing from SJ. Walters then bounced back. I mean, once again, if you're conceding a try to Billy Walters in a prelim final, a dummy and go on your line, um, there's bigger issues there than referee calls, guys. I'm I'm sorry to break it to you, but there is. uh, You know, they scored a try out of dummy half. Uh, You then had an intercept uh, where Reese Walsh created an overlap, he just pulled the wrong uh, rein on that play. So, yeah, sure, you're in this game, twenty four to twelve, sure. But reality is you, you weren't as in it as what you thought you were. Um, so yeah, DWZ takes that intercept. Reese Walsh water off a ducks back, deal with it, move on. Uh, then they went Herbie, uh, and then Reese Walsh obviously set up Billy Walters as, as well for his second try. That line that Reese Walsh hit off Ezra Mam uh, that was fucking incredible. Montoya. He then scored to bounce back before halftime about the 28th, 30th minute. This is actually a really nice try by the New Zealand Warriors. If you go and watch the shape that they ran, uh, this is the same shape they ran last week when they put AFB over. This time they used him as a decoy. We spoke about it last week on Bloke in a Bar that AFB, uh, he is just so talented that he's as dangerous with the ball as he is without it. And you could tell this is a set play that they had sorted out off the back of last week. Jackson Ford and AFB running as a pod. All eyes on those two because that's where he crossed last week. And then they just went out the back and found Montoya there. So a very, very classy play by the New Zealand Warriors there. I really, really did enjoy that one. It was very, you could tell that was a play that had been set up for a couple of weeks uh, and they took what they did last week and they adapted it, which was a very very good coaching. That was nice. Uh, We then had halftime, obviously 24 points to 12. Pretty crazy in a prelim final to have 36 points scored in 28 minutes. Uh, That was insane. And it could have been 42 points uh, had Adam Pompey kicked all of his goals which is just unbelievable. And then, of course, um, you know, at halftime, some, some of the stats. Herbie Farmer threw in for 116 metres. Payne Haas. Payne Haas' numbers at halftime. 122 run metres, one line break, two offloads, 19 tackles, zero miss. Paddy Carrigan and Flegler had three offloads each. The Broncos had 15 offloads at halftime. Um, I would guess the Broncos, most of the time, wouldn't average 15 offloads in a game. Uh, so, unfortunately, the New Zealand Warriors, they did not wrap the ball up and... Jesus Christ, when you when you don't have the best defense in the competition like the Penrith Panthers, very hard to defend that much second-phase footy. It's essentially like you're making twice the tackles. Uh, the Warriors, they had to put an emphasis on shutting down those offloads, and they weren't able to. Uh, second half, we came out. Uh, Jordan Rickey, off, oh, he obviously scored. Uh, once again, controversial one. Shouldn't have been a try. But... Uh, you know, what What more can we say? Yeah, it was bullshit. I'm going to take it as far as my uh, face the music this week. Needed Jordan Ricky, so it's probably going to save me, I hope, this week. Uh, Adam Pompey got binned. Uh, it was a great kick from Adam Reynolds because Tony Staggs was taken out. There was another controversial one that probably could have gone the Warriors' way on, on another play, which is sure, uh, but this was a sim bin, no doubt about that. Uh, Ezra Mam, straight off the left foot, bang, absolutely left them for dead. Ezra Mam. I, I like, uh, it, it's been a reasonably quiet few weeks for Ezra Man. I just don't, like, yeah, obviously he hasn't been on the level of, like, Adam Reynolds and Reese Walsh and these sort of guys, but he also hasn't needed to be, he's just done his job, and I think that's the fantastic thing about Ezra Mann, that he's this highlights guy. But when he just needs to play his role, he can. And I think it's really, really good for this side. Jeez, um, what about the run from Selwyn Cobbo? We got it on the right edge. He must have broke four or five tackles, got all the way over to the tram line on the left. And if he just would have popped the ball to Reese Walsh, he scores for all money to be fair, put in a shit kick at the end, but that was another try that I thought they left out there, and how on earth the right winger can get the ball there, step off his right, and end up kicking the ball on the left tram line, I, I just, you know, that, that was a try for all money, and he bombed that one as well. Um, but yeah, he, he had a good game outside of that, so on Cobo, he gave away that that error at first, but then he was very strong after that, was very composed. Um, and yeah, guys, the Brisbane Broncos, 42 points to 12, Herbie Farmworth scored another try late, I mean, there was another one where Herbie Farmworth scored off a forward pass, I do think it was forward to be fair uh, but mate the 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 way that they were offloading and the rate they were offloading at the Brisbane Broncos uh, something I really didn't anticipate and it really blew the New Zealand Warriors away and to be honest with you I think that's gonna how they're going to have to play against this Panther side. They're going to have to risk making errors and they're going to have to try and back their defense in against this Panther side and they're just going to have to hope that all these things stick. They're going to have to hope that their offload stick and they're able to get Penrith uncomfortable because as I've always said if you want to get into the grind with this side um, they will just blow your way, and they're more than happy to get in the grind with you. You need to offload, you need to create second-face footy, create opportunities for yourself, for Reese Walsh, Ezra Mam, these sort of guys. I think it's the only way you can genuinely beat Penrith, and I reckon that part of this game, Brisbane were confident they'd uh, they beat the Warriors, and I think part of it was planning for next week, Hey, eh? We need to offload the ball, we need to start to get ball movement, start to play the way we're going to need to in order to beat the Penrith Panthers. It's going to be tough, normally uh, grand final day, you come down to Sydney a little bit um, a, a little bit dewey and whatnot, a little bit harder to move the ball uh, than, than what it is in Brisbane. The other thing about the Broncos, I was having a look the other day, I think in the last five years they've played at a core stadium six times or something ridiculous like that. Um, and I don't think they've played there this year either. So a bit of an advantage uh, to the Penrith Panthers there. It's been a big advantage for the Broncos all year. They've spent so much time in Brisbane uh, and in Queensland. But, yeah, I wonder if the tables will be turned next week. Guys, a fantastic week of prelim finals. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Some fantastic footy. Shout out to you Melbourne Storm and New Zealand Warriors fans. It has been a fantastic season. Unfortunately, did not end the way you would have liked, uh, but please do appreciate what your team has done this year. That Melbourne Storm with that forward pack just still finishes the top four team is incredible. And what the New Zealand Warriors has done to come from 15th to, you know, third, fourth, whatever you want to call it, an unbelievable effort all the way to a prelim final. Sensational. And as I've said a few times, they've got the halfback now. They've got the halfback sorted and form. They've got the coach. You've got the nine. You've got the one. You've got Roger tuivasa shek coming in. You've got an elite 13. You've got Adam Fanua-Blake, Mitchie Barnett. You've got the 14 in Dill Walker. You've got all the pieces you need to be successful. Now it's just about building it over time and just getting better year on year. Like what the Panthers did. They obviously came into that grand final a few years ago, lost that one, came back, built off the back of it, and have just gone from strength to strength. And I hope the New Zealand Warriors can do the same because, fuck, it'll be an unreal storyline for rugby league.